Welcome to What's Happening in 40K. Your daily dose of all things Warhammer 40,000. Each day, Monday through Friday, we explore the Warhammer 40,000 tournament scene. And bring you the latest news, updates, and opinions. So, whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the hobby, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the world of 40K. Here's your host, Mufasa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. And this episode is our first after the Manchester Super Major, which has just concluded this weekend. So today we'll be talking a little bit about what happened at the event, but we'll be viewing it through the context of one of our finalists. So today we are welcomed by Ines Wilson, who made it through to the final of the event, dropping only five points. He was one of two Iron Hands players who made the decision to take lots of out-of-line-of-search shooting. And we're going to be talking a little bit about why this was a common theme in the top four lists and what this means for the state of the game right now, as well as what it means for the rest of ninth edition as we all wait with bated breath for 10th to drop. So, Ines, welcome to the show. Hi, Zach. Thank you so much for having me back. It was a pleasure to be here last time, and I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, so if anyone has listened to our previous episodes, Ines is one of our returning guests. He's from StatCheck and some other places online, notably Team Scotland. So if you are not familiar with Ines, you can check him out on StatCheck. And uh, if you are a Scottish listener and you've not heard of Ines, uh, might as well start. (laughs) So um, yeah, so today we're not going to talk so much about your experience at the event, but I'll give you a quick summary of that now. So Ines, you made it through to the semifinals where you played Manichima and uh, unfortunately lost. Both the semifinals had a game of similar character in which all four players had Desolation Marines, which notably have out-of-line-of-sight shooting. And uh, both games were quite interesting to referee. I was actively refereeing both games, and uh, they were cagey and strategic and tactical in, in many interesting ways. But let's start off this conversation by saying, like, was your semifinal loss the most interesting game you played over the course of the weekend? Oh, by far. It was um, a little bit of an unfortunate experience with the first few rounds of the day where people just weren't really equipped to deal with the tools that we had brought. So myself and Brian brought a very alpha and shooting heavy Iron Hands list that had a lot of tools for great mission play, uh, which bore out with the combined the two of us dropped eight points over the event. And what that meant was over the course of like the first few games, we were playing against people who were in most cases playing pretty good lists, but just didn't have the tools to deal with it being played by players of our caliber. Um, so it was kind of a little bit of a run over. Uh, on day two, I played some much tougher games. Uh, John Talbot and Dave Irving gave me a lot more of a back and forth, but unfortunately just couldn't quite deal with the weight of it with me going first in both those instances as well. Um, I think the the new spin on the list with the Desolation Marines just created a lot of problems that people didn't have, didn't really have built their lists to deal with yet uh, because they were such a new piece of tech um, that combined with the already existing power of the Space Marine Codex and Iron Hands was just too much, and it resulted in what ended up being a very heavily desolation marine weighted top four with brian and i finishing the first and second spots after the round robin yeah so let's focus a little bit about what these desolation marines mean for 40k because there's going to be lots of people listening that don't play space marines have no intention of taking them and we're not trying to encourage people to meta chase a single unit i think that's generally a bad strategy for everyone productive but what they are is you know they're taking um two of the strongest factions in the game iron hands and dark angels and they're adding in this new 
or not new, but uh, they're giving them access to out of line of sight shooting in a way that is was previously not optimal for those list builds. So, what do you think having access to those tools means for the list? And give us some sort of comparisons that other factions might sure. have. So the the main reason that you take Desolation Marines is that Space Marines have a really nasty habit of having units that are fairly expensive and you struggle to just get things behind a wall. So for example, if there's, you know, you fire your guns and you take out like four out of five guys from like an intercessor squad, to use like the basic example, you then have to like commit a full resource to killing that again the next turn. So you might have to throw away your land speeder or hit a charge with terminators or, you know, use a squad of Vanguard weapons in the air husky. So depending on what your Marine faction is, it's a it's a fairly high resource to go and send anything behind the wall. So indirect shooting always just bridges that gap and means that you can play that trading and peace trade um, and like interacting over objectives game just a little safer, a little more casually um, without having to expose your big units. And then, so we've seen stuff like Guard with um, Mortar Teams or uh, Eldar with the Decana batteries. You really get a head start on that and it just brought Marines into the same kind of fold as that, which then combined with the other things that Marines have going for them, like Codex Warfare, which is the kill units with the type of weapon that you're in doctrine with. So, for example, heavy weapons, which Desolation Marines are entirely equipped with. It gives you a way to clean up those kills where you would sometimes maybe have to kill the last guy with combat because you couldn't afford to leave it there. Now you can clean it up and just make that secondary access a little better. And those two factors combined with the fact that the rest of the Marine Army is generally fairly cheap now with the new point reductions means that Desolation Marines fit really well into the Space Marine ecosystem because... While they're fairly expensive, the rest of the book isn't, um, which means that combined you end up with a fairly balanced package. Yeah, There's definitely like disadvantages to them. They are, as I said, very expensive. Once they walk out into the open, they're very fragile, so you don't get a lot of mileage out of their direct line shooting. But they just create this game where you can afford to take less risks, and that is inherently going to favor stronger players because you can set up situations where you taking less risks result in you having better outcomes. And that approach of taking less risk was very much uh, mirrored in your scores. You Both you and Brian dropped fewer than 10 points over your first five games. I believe Manny did also, and Alex Harrison, who made his way to the semifinals, only dropped 13. So our top four, the worst score of five games was a total of 13 points dropped. So very much a reliably high-scoring army, not just a reliably potent army in terms of winning games. So... Was it a fluke that these models are like actually good? I mean, lots of people jumped on them. There was lots throughout the field, not just in the top four. Um, given that you've all taken them this time and they were good, not just in Dark Angels, not just in Space Wolves, but also in Iron Hands, will you be keeping them in your list? Or are there some, some reduction in how many you're going to take? What's your sort of lessons, lef- lessons learned after running them? Yeah, that's fair. So um, having spoken to like the other guys who are running this weekend, so Manny and Alex and also my teammate Brian, um, I'll be keeping my 10. Uh, I don't really want to go up higher. There's a lot of things you can do with 185 points in Space Marines that going up to a third squad is doubling down on a redundancy that you probably just don't need because Iron Hands have things like the drop bot. So you have other ways to access that really good angle shooting where you can catch people in the deployment zone, whereas Dark Angels and Space Wolves don't necessarily have that as well. Whereas, uh, speaking to Manny, Manny is probably going to reduce down from 20 to 15 because we found a way to tweak his list to get a little better tech in there and shore up some of the matchups that are a little weaker. Obviously, he won the tournament. It doesn't have that many bad matchups from what we've seen in the current expectation, but you probably you do hit real diminishing returns when you have so much out of line of sight shooting that you're eventually just like, uh, you would I, you would be watching Manny's games and he'd just be like, well, I'm just going to fire all these guns at the tank I'm shooting at anyway because there's not much point. I don't have anything else to shoot at these because... The things that I could shoot are in reserve or in a transport or dead already. So 
I think 10 to 15 is probably going to end up being the sweet spot. Probably 10 for armies that have other fast shooting, like the drop pod. Um, it's really just about the fact that they carry buffs really well. So often you'll find marine armies just have an excess of things that you can just have on units. So for my list, for example, I have target protocols, which usually goes on the Volkite Contemptor. But if I don't have anything for him to shoot, I have another thing I can use it on now, whereas before you didn't. And the same applies to things like Keen Senses for Space Wolves, which is the strategy that allows them to ignore hit modifiers, goes really well on that unit. You would typically use that on something like a unit with Thunder Hammers going into combat, because it ignores the combat modifiers there, makes that unit much more efficient. But you're not always in combat, and you still have that resource available, so Space Wolves can now get a second dimension out of that, and it just makes the list stronger and more multidimensional. That's well, we, that's really the the like, but there's real diminishing returns on that because you can only use those resources on one, maybe two units if you have lots of stratagems, which is just you know once you get up to the the twenty that Manny had or the twenty five that Malik submitted, you just really don't get a lot out of the second and third squads. We spoke a little bit earlier about you know how out of line of sight shooting is you know one of these core mechanics that changes your ideas about how you're playing the game. One of the noticeable things we touched on prior to the Manchester Super Major was the absence of guard. When we did a review with George on bets on, we noticed that there was no guard in our top twelve favorites. And uh, one might think that although Desolation Marines are a good counter to guard, being able to obviously shoot off their low toughness models that need to hide out of line of sight. Guard obviously have access to mortars, so surely guard are a good counter to space marines. Can't they shoot off the uh, Desolation Marines out of line of sight too? Isn't it's... this just a uh, who goes first type game? Why do we see so few guard players in the top uh, top echelons of the Manchester Super Major? It a little bit can be. Um, I will say that we're we did we're missing two notable guard players from the UK meta at Manchester. Um, Nassim was over at Adepticon, and David Gaylord, uh, I believe it was his. Uh, some someone in his uh, immediate families or someone like that's birthday uh, and couldn't uh, attend. So there were two very strong guard players that weren't in attendance that definitely would have had the tools and probably were planning for this to be able to still talk up. Um, so there was definitely a little bit of a diminishing on there. The other one is that just mortars are capped at AP1 with the take aim order, which gives them plus one AP. With the indirect penalty and cover, then they're putting you at your save is, you know, they're whatever your save is, you're saving at plus one relative to their AP. So if you're on three up save, you're saving on twos against mortars. Because Desolation Marines are AP1 base plus one for Devastator Doctrine, if you're in cover, you're saving on your native save, which means that they they work out to flat AP. Um, so when Desolation Marines shoot mortars in cover, the mortars save on fives. When mortars shoot Desolation Marines, the mortars save on the Desolation Marines save on twos. It's just not a, not a, like it's very imbalanced. Now the weighting in that comes down to the three mortar teams are less points than one squad of Desolation Marines is, but over the attrition game, you will just net do less damage. And then the Venger launchers on the Sergeants, which are the flat two damage ones, are just incredibly efficient at killing mortars back. Um, so it just it becomes a very real imbalance in that. You can do something like what Marcus Hinson did and bring stuff like a Death Strike missile that can force them to move, and a Manticore. Um, there are lots of ways that you can really tech for it, but because this unit's so new, and I think there was a little bit of the community approximation of this unit was that it wasn't that good, um, which, not going to lie, a decent amount of the top players who were recognizing they were good didn't speak up that loudly about how good they were, um, which is, you know, it's outside of the game, metagaming things. Fair enough, I get it. Um, so it just resulted in a very unprepared meta, and I don't know how representative this will be of in two weeks' time when everybody's had a chance to adapt to Desolation Marines. Will guard players just run an extra couple of vehicles so that you can, you know, put your mortars in them or you can put um, your Kazakin inside of Torox for if you were going to get shot off the board? Or if 
uh, you can tech into playing like Admech Lucius, which I had a real trouble killing in my round four game because to get that plus one save against AP1, in cover, those Admech units were saving on twos against me, uh, even with my AP2, uh, which for a base four up save model is fantastic. Um, so there's definitely counterplay to this. It just caught the meta unaware in this specific situation, I think, um, which is very much a sign of being a strong player and having access to strong list building options and a group of people that you can test with gives you an advantage, um, which we'll see bear out whenever new units, new armies, new codexes release, is that the people who have access to it first and can make it stick faster do better at events. But anybody can do that. It's not. It's just easier when you have more resources, right? Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. Is we, We've been talking about one unit in, in reference to this conversation, but ultimately there were f- three factions represented in the in the semifinals and the finals. We had Space Wolves, Dark Angels, and Iron Hands. Now, they were all Marine sub-factions, but ultimately they play very differently apart from this unit. Um, one's a fast coast combat aggressive army, one is a sort of board-holding army, one's a shooting army. So, you know, I think there is still that diversity in the top list. They just all happen to be wearing power armor. And then, you know, we've been talking a little bit about guard. Now they have a lot of tools, just no one teched into this. So I think, actually, the beautiful thing about 40K right now is that although this weekend has maybe been a little bit unbalanced, and I know Dark Angels are trending towards a very high win rate overall, but overall, like, we have a fairly rapidly adapting meta, and it's just so happens that, like, the other strong factions have toolbox-style codexes where they could probably tech a little bit for this change. So, for example... We have uh, our next event is in three weeks. We have the London Open, which is going to be about 150 players. So still relatively competitive. And I'd be very surprised if we don't see Guard make top cut there, primarily because David Gaylord is obviously going to be in attendance as a London-based player um, who won the Southampton Super Major. But um, Nassim is also London-based. As you mentioned earlier, he was in Adepticon this weekend. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see, you know, people have got, about 10 12 days now until this submission for that so what do you what are your expectations for where the meta will be in three weeks do you expect manichima to drive down from birmingham and win the london <laughs> open too or uh, is uh, a guard or an elder you know vic might even turn up who knows what do you think is going to happen in uh, three weeks time i think it's entirely possible that we still see a couple of desolation marines in the top cut um i think one thing that was underappreciated for this was that i would have picked myself alex manny and brian to be four of the six strongest players in the room for the event the fact that we top got is you know generally unsurprising i would say um so there's always an aspect of that is that the players who are playing lists always have an impact but we did see vic take down uh, alex petford on desolation marines on um in the final round so there's definitely weaknesses there that you can exploit and there were marines lists that didn't have desolation marines that made the top cut there was only there were no other lists outside of the top four that had desolation marines um i think everybody else was not on them for them we went the that went the 5-0. and So there were Nestle Marines that were definitely losing games. Uh, I believe Chris Canera lost to a tile list in round five as well. Uh, he was playing Space Wolves with Nestle Marines and aiming for that top spot as well. So there's definitely weaknesses there that people just need to find time and to exploit. I think 12 days, having seen the wake-up call from Manchester this weekend, I think there's a good chance they still win it. I don't think they make up the exclusive top four. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, we did have Tau go 5-0. and We did have Eldar go 5-0. and So there is some diversity there in terms of, like, there are other factions that are very clearly able to win games. And uh, I think maybe, you know, in the three weeks, you, you could be right. We're still going to see a similar-ish thing. People are going to take a bit more. So maybe they're going to score a few lower points, but they still might win all their five games. But obviously, we have, you know, Birmingham teams coming up in May. And teams is obviously a completely different format. So... 
you'll be you'll be the expert there as a captain of a national team. <laughs> I would imagine you probably either have somebody taken hard into them or taken hard against them as uh, as one of your macro factions uh, choices. Although maybe you're just going to go for Dark Angels and play, you know, the full 35 Terminators or whatever Mike Porter played this weekend. You can definitely build a list for teams that just doesn't really lose to these. Um, in a singles environment, you maybe still lose small, but in a team's environment where you can afford to take a, you know, a small loss and have that be completely reasonable into your opponent's very hard-hitting list, um, there's a lot more options to build a list that just resiliences through this. So like the pure Dark Angels list, the Lucius Admech I was talking about earlier, um, something like Thousand Suns is very good into these. So you could definitely see a lot of options for just building a high-scoring list that's very resilient to this kind of damage output. And for a team environment, that's completely reasonable to have one or two lists to do that that forces it into maybe you know a bad matchup if we find one that exists at um, a London Open in a couple of weeks' time. If a list emerges that just absolutely crushes through them, suddenly you can take that and a very resilient list and force them into a, into a pairing they just don't want, which is always a really cool way and a really interesting dynamic of the team format. Yeah, so perhaps the meta is not as desolate as we might make it out to be. <laughs> so, Inos, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like we mentioned, we have the London Open coming up in three weeks' time. There are still tickets available for that for anyone that wants to pop down to London. It's going to be around about 150 players playing that. But our next Super Majors for singles coming up are Bristol, which is in June. And we have just launched tickets to Leeds in August. We sold over 100 of those on opening day, so it's tracking to be a very highly attended event. And we have a space for up to 500 players Ines thank you so much for coming on where can people find you if they want to see more of your awesome 40k content yeah if you want to see more from me the best place to do that is at StatCheck so we are the best place to see that is YouTube so it's youtube.com and StatCheck uh, we do a live show every Tuesday at roughly 11pm GMT uh, depending on time zones and all that stuff I've been doing it a little earlier uh, and that is where you'll find me talking about 40k almost almost all the time uh, for regrettable reasons <laughs> at this point it's uh taking over my life i don't know how to explain it well, better than that uh but thank you so much for having me zach it's been an absolute pleasure as always yeah it's great to have you on thank you and goodbye thank you for tuning in to what's happening in 40k we hope you've enjoyed the show we'd also really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and recommending us to all your gaming buddies and, of course, don't forget to subscribe for more great content from What's Happening in 40K. We'll be back next time with even more news, updates, and opinions from the world of Warhammer 40,000. Until next time, thanks for listening.